Every 68 seconds, someone in America is sexually assaulted. I am one of those people, and maybe you are too. If you're anything like me, you have burning questions, shame, guilt, and maybe fear weighing down on you at all hours of the day. Whether something terrible happened to you yesterday or 40 years ago, we all deal with the lasting effects of abuse and trauma of all kinds. To my fellow survivors, thank you for being here. Thank you for being courageous enough to just listen. To those who know a survivor, thank you for being willing to learn. To my listeners who aren't either of those things, thank you for supporting us by listening and learning. Every podcast episode I record has the possibility of being difficult for some of my listeners to hear, so be easy on yourself. Pick a time and place that suits you best, and don't be afraid to pause something and come back later when you found the courage to do so. I love you all, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. It is Courtney, your host of Every 68 Seconds. Um, I'm super happy to be with you all today. I am actually recording in the daytime, and normally I wait till the literal last minute the night before. Also, you might hear some shuffling because I had to go to my guest room because it's so loud in the office since it's in the front of the house and there's construction going on. There's helicopters flying around, and my dog decided to come lay on the bed in the guest room while I'm recording this. Um, but yeah, so last week we talked about how... Uh, trauma affects the brain and I focused mainly on like how it physically affects the brain and the kind of effects that can come from that and then today I want to talk about different kinds of abuse what abuse is how abuse affects us um, as victims and survivors of abuse and then also the topics of trauma bonding and gaslighting because those are things gaslighting seems to be kind of thrown around these days without really an understanding of what it is. And then trauma bonding is something that I didn't even know about until I experienced my own abuse. So those are the things we'll be going over today. But first of all, I wanted to kind of give some examples of the kind of abuses, I guess, that I've experienced in my own, um, in my own past and just maybe tell a few stories. So one of the stories that I tell people sometimes when I'm trying to like explain the abuse I experienced or manipulation or whatever, um, was the use of insults to, or like, I guess criticism, but also like insults and criticism were used quite often. Um, and I don't remember a lot of things, but there's two things I do remember very well for some reason. One of those being, um, one day I was at work and my abuser just said some, like came up to me and said, do you normally wear makeup on your eyebrows or something like that? Something about my eyebrows. It's like, do you normally wear makeup on your eyebrows? Are you, are you wearing makeup right now or something like that? And I, I think I was like not wearing any. And I said, no, like I'm not wearing any right now. And he said, oh, well you should because when you don't put makeup on your eyebrows, you can't even see them. And it was like this weird, like super random, really weird criticism of my eyebrows and then literally the next like two years I would not I would never go out of the house without filling in my eyebrows because I was so like self-conscious about it um and then another time I was walking you know around at work and walked up to him and he said you're really bow-legged did you know that and I was like uh yeah like I guess I guess I knew that and he's like you should fix that and I was like, oh, 
I'll get right on that. Like, thanks. Totally. Um, but I mean, I, I joke about these now, but obviously then like I was very self, I, it made me very self-conscious about myself and I was just like, what the heck? Um, and then another time, you know, he, it was like the first time that he, ex- well, it's the first time he used this weird, inappropriate, like sexual language with me over text. And I was super like thrown off about it and I did not know what to do. And I also, it was also just very inappropriate. And I had a boyfriend at the time, which he knew about. Um, and he was technically like, he felt like a spiritual mentor to me. So the fact that he used this language with me was super weird. And I actually tried to cut off the relationship or friendship with him. And he got super, super defensive. He started blaming me about everything and like claiming that I was the one that was even starting it and I was the one flirting with him and doing all these things that made him say those things and then if if I did cut off our friendship like it's going to be super awkward at work and it'll be all your fault um and that's like kind of the blaming and there's just so many yeah so many things that he used um and then he also definitely used some gaslighting too uh which I'll probably go over later but those are just some different kinds of abuse that I experienced in my own past. Um, so what is abuse? Like just in general and abuse is any action that intentionally harms or injures another person. And there's actually a lot of people actually, I think that abuse others. And I think this happens a lot with like emotional or psychological abuse when they don't even necessarily realize it because they've been abused themselves and they're just kind of repeating this behavior. But most of the time, abuse, you know, is, is intentional. They know that they're doing it, um, and they're doing it for a purpose. Like, they're doing it to achieve some goal, right? Um, so the first abuse that I wanted to go over, because I think it's the most commonly, like, when I say abuse, like, most people probably thought of physical abuse first. Uh, and this can be kicking, punching, slapping, hitting, forcing a partner to use substances, controlling medication or refusing medical care, strangulation, burning, and using weapons such as knives, guns, or other. And I hope I don't have to put a disclaimer on all of these terms because I kind of did that in the intro. I know these can be triggering words, but I think it it would not serve any of us for me to water down like these terms and things um, because they're very serious. And um, I was luckily not physically abused in any way, which is great. Um, but I know that that's very common. Um, and a lot of times like abuse in relationships starts out with like verbal and emotional abuse and then it turns into physical so if you've ever experienced like verbal and emotional abuse in your relationship and you haven't experienced physical yet it is likely like statistically that it'll turn into that so um it's always best obviously to get out as quickly as you can or as early as you can but I know from my own experience it's not that easy obviously so um second thing is sexual abuse because I think that's probably the next that next most common one. And sexual abuse can be a lot of different things, actually. And most people just think, oh, like it's making someone have sex against their will. But there's also a couple other things like convincing a person to have sex without birth control, physically hurting someone while having sexual relations, having sexual activity with someone who is incoherent, intoxicated, or afraid to say no. So all of those kind of are the encompassing like factors of sexual abuse. Um, and obviously, like I've explained before, I experienced that myself in the past um, from this specific abuser. But all the other, pretty much the other three 
abuses I'm talk going to talk about next are the ones that I experienced leading up to my sexual abuse. And it was almost like those ones were, were being used to groom me um, into this state of mind where I knew I couldn't say no to him. And that's how he was able to use sexual abuse against me. Um, so third one is verbal abuse, which I definitely experienced. And that can be insulting or calling names, um, blaming uh, using criticism, judgment, and then threatening in any kind of way. And I definitely, I think I've actually experienced like all of those things from him, um, along with the emotional and psychological abuse, like degradation, <clears throat> causing undue fear, stalking, isolation, or refusing somebody, um, or refusing to let a partner go and go somewhere or just a person to go somewhere humiliating or shaming the person, intimidating the person, showing extreme jealousy, blaming your partner for everything, purposely hurting their self-esteem, and gaslighting. And I'm going to stop for a minute and like go over what gaslighting is. And that, you know, the term gaslighting and the definition, a form of manipulation where the abuser makes the victim question their judgments or reality, ultimately causing the victim to wonder if they're losing their sanity. So, this is something that was definitely used um, against me in a few different ways, but in, in a very like simple example, this would be kind of like, you know, imagine a, an abuser who tells the victim like one thing and then like the next day the victim's like, hey, you said this yesterday, like you said this to me and the abuser's like, I never said that you're crazy. Like, I never said that. I never said I was going to do that. I said this, or I just never said that at all. And the, the victim's like, what? Like, I swear you said that. Um, and they're using that gaslighting to manipulate the victim into believing something else, or, um, just honestly, I think a lot of times they use it to make them question their sanity to the point where they just start they just stop believing whatever their own brain is telling them and they just start believing the abuser solely. Um, and there's a lot of other complex ways that gaslighting shows up, obviously, but that's like the most simple example I can give, which was definitely used against me in my abusive relationship. Um, and then the last one I wanted to go over because I personally experienced it and it's not as common, but it was very unique to my experience. And I'm sure there's other people who've experienced it like either in church or from a, you know, a certain spiritual mentor or leader, but this is the um, spiritual abuse factor. And this can be a few different things. Firstly, it's when the abuser ridicules or insults the other person's religious or spiritual beliefs, uh, prevents a person from practicing their spiritual or religious beliefs, uses religious or spiritual beliefs to manipulate or shame them, which was definitely used on me because it was like, I wasn't a good enough Christian for all these different reasons, like um, the, the way that I lived my life, the music I listened to, and all this stuff. Um, uh, forcing children to be raised in a faith that a partner doesn't agree with can also be considered spiritual abuse. And then lastly, uses when the abuser uses religious texts or beliefs to minimize or rationalize abusive behavior. And this was definitely used um, against me as well. Like my abuser would literally like break out his Bible and his um, on his phone and just like read religious or, you know, whatever stuff from the Bible and tell me things about this and that and make me question my own beliefs and then rationalize his own behavior 
with Bible verses, which is why for a very long time, I didn't even pick up a Bible. If I heard somebody reading the Bible, I would like pretty much have a, or an anxiety like attack or whatever anxiety attack. And, um, yeah, I was basically triggered by that for a very long time. I tried to go to a Bible study when I first moved to Florida, this literally like, what is that? Eight months ago. Um, and I had an anxiety attack when the leader of the Bible study started reading from the Bible and it was like nothing related to my abuser at all. It was just the simple act of this man reading the Bible to me. And I like literally, my heart was racing. I was, you know, crying. And anyways, it was a very tough experience and I've been able to grow from that, but that's how spiritual abuse was used against me. And, um, eventually, uh, you know, led to the sexual abuse I experienced. So how does abuse, you know, actually change the brain and affect us as people and as survivors? So there's so many different ways, but I wanted to go over a few specific ones like just, um, distorting our self image. And this can be because of, I mean, any kind of abuse, I guess that's being acted upon somebody, it's going to make them feel, you know, this guilt and shame from it, but especially because the abuser tends to blame the victim for everything. And makes them literally think like you deserve this abuse that I'm giving you. And so that will distort the self-image of a victim almost always. And then it also causes them to have difficulty trusting other people and themselves. So they'll start to, you know, not trust other people because they're being acted or they're being abused by this person. And I mean, it, it causes them to feel like, oh, well, everyone is going to do this to me. Or when they're moving on from that relationship, how would they know that somebody else isn't going to abuse them the same way? And then interesting themselves, I had a really tough time trusting myself after my abuse because I thought that I put myself in that situation. I caused the abuse to happen to me and I couldn't trust my intuition anymore or my decision making because, I mean, look at where it got me in the past. Um it can also cause numbness, like emotional numbness. And I've, I talked on that a little bit last week because of the way that when trauma happens, which abuse is a kind of trauma, um, when trauma happens, the brain goes into this like fear driven mode where it's all just kind of reactive in the emotions. And when somebody's in an abusive relationship, it's often this trauma that's happening over and over again, which in that experience, the victim would obviously want to try to dampen or numb the negative emotions they feel from the abuse. But if you're numbing any kind of negative emotions, and I got, I actually remember watching a video from Brene Brown. If you don't know who that is, definitely look her up. But she explained how if you're numbing any kind of negative emotions, because all the emotions come from the same place in the brain, like if you're numbing one of them, you're not going to feel any of them. So it's going to numb joy. It's going to numb you know, excitement and all of these positive emotions like love um, and things like that because you're numbing one, which might be like the fear or whatever. You're numbing that, so you're numbing every single kind of emotion you can feel. And that's why a lot of people who have had had abuse happen to them or they're still in that abusive relationship, they actually can't numb or they can't feel any of those emotions. Um, and I definitely experienced that. And then there's also negative thinking patterns. So since the brain gets into this fear-driven state, I mean, everything becomes worst case scenario for that person. Like they think of this possibility, this possibility, and they're all terrifying and no wonder because they're on this, they're in this hypervigilant state all the time. 
Um, so they start to become more cynical and a little like just less positive, honestly, like more negative about things. And I was already kind of like that, <laughs> I would say before my abuse, but it definitely increased after my abuse. Um, and I've still kind of dealt with that to this day. And then the last three things are more so like mental health problems like depression, anxiety, and PTSD. Those are very, very common. Um, and those can lead to other things like substance abuse and stuff like that. But um, of course, when you're dealing with all of these things mentally and your brain literally changes when you're experiencing trauma, I mean, it's going to cause these chemical imbalances in the brain. It's going to cause your like anxiety to happen because you're in this fear-based state all the time. Um, and then obviously PTSD can come from that as well. So these are all ways that abuse specifically can affect a person and affect their brain. Um, so what is trauma bonding? Trauma bonding, I did not know what that was. You kind of, I, I would say the, the, the way that people have heard about it probably in the past is when you're talking about an, uh, an abductor, like a, a kidnapper or whatever, and then they're hostage. This, this has been seen to happen in the past. Um, and then this also happens a lot with abusive caregivers with children. Um, but there's this kind of bonding or attachment that happens. And it's like an emotional attachment in an abusive relationship that develops out of a repeated cycle of abuse devaluation of the victim and positive reinforcement and this especially is common when the abuse alternates with kindness and intimacy or or intimacy and this can also happen in um, relationships between a cult leader and a cult member Um, and that's why I mean you see all these crazy stories in the past where there's a cult leader and all these people you know bond with the cult leader and then end up killing themselves in the name of the cult's ideologies and things like that. And it's really, really sad. And I, and I've personally experienced that myself, obviously with, you know, creating this kind of bond relationship with my abuser. And honestly, for me, it was mostly because of this, you know, cyclical nature of how he would insult me, but then also compliment me in like the same breath or the next breath. And there's also another characteristic of trauma bonding, which is power imbalance. And so for me, I, he was much older than me and I felt like he was, you know, more mature spiritually and he was so well revered at my work. Like I just felt like he was above me in a lot of different ways. And so there was this power imbalance as well, where I felt like almost like a student and he was like my teacher kind of, and that also kind of it contributed to the fact that there was this experience of trauma bonding between us. Um, so yeah, that's a, one of the reasons too why a lot of people won't leave a relationship that's abusive because of this bonding that happens. And I'm going to do a whole other episode on like why people don't leave abusive relationships because there's way too much to go into in this episode. But all of that to say, I want to kind of reiterate the fact that if you are a have been abused or if you're even if you're in abusive relationship right now it is not your fault as the victim like there's no excuse for any abuse to happen to you but I I personally after going through all of that I felt I definitely felt that I was at fault and I like let this happen I felt so stupid and so I know that a lot of you listening who've been abused probably have felt the same way or maybe you feel that way now and I want to kind of explain like I mean my experience with all of this made me completely question my judgment 
Um, but even more so than that, like it made me feel like I couldn't trust myself because I felt like I was just following my intuition. I was following my heart. I was following whatever. And that led me to this, you know, terrible situation where a man manipulated and took advantage of me. But I read a little bit in the book that I'm reading, Claim Your Power, about how when people get into these situations or whatever situation it might be where they end up getting hurt, they tend to blame themselves like, oh, I was following my own intuition, my own judgment, whatever, and that got me hurt, right? Um, But a lot of times it's because you weren't necessarily following your own intuition. You were actually following maybe the acceptance or approval of somebody else. You were following this codependency that you had on somebody else. And obviously, yes, those things can come from your own unresolved um, trauma or whatever it might be. Like I was in a very vulnerable state when I met this guy. Um, I was not doing well in my relationship with my boyfriend at the time. I had just moved across the country and I was away from my family for the first time. There were so many different factors that probably, you know, um, factored into how I got into this relationship, but that doesn't mean I blame myself for that, right? Um, it's kind of like both. Like I don't, I don't blame myself for being in that situation because it wasn't my fault that I was abused necessarily. But I, I read that part of the book and I realized, okay, I don't have to blame myself, um, but I can understand how I, as a person, was able to have been abused and and manipulated because I was in this very like just vulnerable state in my mind. Um, I was also not pursuing my faith. I am a Christian. I don't, I don't talk about that a lot on here, but I was not like pursuing my faith. I wasn't talking with God much and I didn't have a lot of knowledge about like what the Bible says. And so this man came in, I felt that he was much more experienced or like knowledgeable about the Bible than me. And I trusted everything he said. So there's, I mean, I don't know. I just wanted to kind of mention that because I don't want people to think like, oh, I'm so stupid for allowing myself to be abused. Like there's so many reasons why we as victims or survivors, um, I guess, are in this vulnerable state and and that can be more easily done to us, but that's not, like, it's still not our fault. And and the, the positive part of that is that we can change that about ourselves. Like I've, in the last two and a half years, like I've been able to kind of grow myself and learn to trust myself better and, you know, read my Bible more and try to understand that better so that somebody can't come in and tell me things that are not correct biblically. Um, and then, you know, just build the trust in myself so that I'm not putting trust in other people all the time that don't deserve my trust. Um, so anyways, I hope that's not like controversial to say, but I just hoped that that would be helpful for anyone that's been through abuse, um, to understand, like, just because, you know, you were in that situation doesn't mean it was your fault. And there's so many ways that we can work on, you know, our own selves and our brains and, and try to trust ourselves better and um, not rely on other people's approval or have codependency on other people um, that could get us in those situations. So anyways, that's pretty much all I have for y'all today. And I'm really happy that I kept it under 25 minutes. That was my goal. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I hope that y'all jo- will join me next week. I actually don't have a plan for it, which I'm kind of excited about. I kind of want to just like see how my week goes and see what comes up naturally for like what I want to talk about next week. So I hope that y'all will join me for this mystery episode next week. And I'm so glad that you were here today and I love you all. And thank you so much for listening.
Hello, hello, it's me again. Uh, I wanted to just end this with a request from y'all. First of all, I would really appreciate some suggestions for future episode topics. I'd love to hear about what you would love to hear from me. And also, I'd really, really, really appreciate if you could share this on your social media accounts, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Um, share this because I know there's people out there who are just like you that could really benefit from listening to this kind of podcast. Uh, Another thing I would really appreciate is if you guys could go on to Apple Podcasts and if you loved this episode and are excited to hear more from me, you could just put a review on there. Um, I would just really appreciate that because it would show Apple that you know, I have a listening and people are interested in what I have to share. So yeah, thank you guys so much and I'll see you next week.